The Saskatchewan Healthcare Coalition is hosting the All for Public Healthcare Rally in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, May 4th. It's free and you're invited. This rally is happening because our public healthcare system does not have the support it needs to meet the diverse needs of all Saskatchewan residents. For years, it has been underfunded, ignored, and hindered. So join Donna and I in person on May 4th in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for a walk, speeches, networking, and community building. Link for more information is in the show notes. Hope to see you there. All right, psychedelics or plant medicine has been growing in mainstream popularity as a modality of healing for a number of years now. I myself made the decision in the past year to explore this medicine as a survivor of addiction and having had two very powerful experiences with a shaman in ceremony. I stumbled across Roman Corkery over six years ago now on Facebook when I first entered into recovery. And from the first minute I saw his content, I was intrigued by his willingness to talk about his experiences with DMT and ayahuasca. When I reached out to him recently, we had a great conversation that solidified my desire to bring him on. And he's here with me in studio today. But before I bring him in, take a look at this clip from our conversation last week. Boom, it just hit me. These aliens and these little kind of weird centipede creatures crawled all over me just ripping me apart and putting me back together like one would run away with my ribs and one would run back and put a new rib cage back in place and after it was over telepathically this alien being was like okay your drug addiction's gone i want you to do something for us and then all of a sudden i got hit with this wave of sadness this feeling of pain all the suffering of womankind, domestic violence, human trafficking. I was begging for it to stop. They were like, no, no, we have to see this. We want you to learn this. Like, you're a womanizer. Good morning, Roman. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for making the trip, man. We're in Saskatoon. You're in Regina. And when we first started talking, you're like... I'm coming. Yeah, I watch a lot of podcasts and I find the ones that are done over Zoom kind of, it's just not the same. So yeah. I, I, I would rather be here and it's only two hours away. So yeah. whatever. We're getting more and more people willing to make that drive. And in fact, I think even is it next week, I think we've got another guy driving up from Regina. Yeah. And his name's Aaron Humble. Oh, yeah. yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, he's on the 22nd. But, oh, is he? Yeah. But right I, on. But anyways, is there anything that you'd like to say before we jump in? Ah, uh, just thanks for having me. I, I like what you're doing. I think it's real important. As and most of our listeners, I would know, would assume, no is drugs and is just guiding our society. So these mm -hmm. kind of things are important. Yeah, yeah. Addiction is is not going anywhere, and there's certainly more to come. In the last ten years. I would say I've known more people that have passed away from addiction than in the 30 before that combined. It's happening. Yeah. Everybody knows somebody. Yeah. So having said that, let's get at it. Yeah. This is Hard Knocks Talks. All right. If you would like to learn more about plant medicines, reach out to Saskatoon-based advanced Cambo practitioner Chris Jordan at Healing Spirits Cambo, offering Cambo ceremonies in the traditional ways of the Matsispi tribe. If you are struggling with the substance use of a loved one or have tragically lost a loved one to drug-related harms, reach out to Stronger Together Canada, peer-led support groups by Mum Stop the Harm. If you are in search of private inpatient addictions treatment, check out Prairie Sky Recovery Center located in Libsig, Saskatchewan. To make contact or to learn more about today's sponsors, check out our new merch. Or if you want to show us some love and buy us a coffee, all of those links are in the show notes below. So that's a, a pretty intense experience that you had. That was your first ayahuasca yeah. journey that, that we showcased there. Yeah. Now, I'm interested to know... Did you see that coming? Did you have any idea in your head that you were treating women poorly before you went into that? Oh, yeah. And not brutal, but I was treating myself poorly. And then just the yeah. blast radius of everybody was getting treated poorly. And the experience I had, it, I, I think if I was a total model citizen, I would have had that same experience. Because mm. I've had one where I saw all the hatred in the Middle East. 
where I felt the same hate. So it's it's not like it was teaching me a lesson. It was just showing me a broader story about the world you can learn from mm-hmm. in a way. But what I did learn from it was the struggle of women just in society beyond me or beyond your blast radius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was what was neat about it was I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's really I've always known women, I think, suffer silently in a way that we don't mm-hmm. understand. Just being that compassionate and that like birth givers, yeah. I think that's got to be. That is something if you want to think about that in itself. The only portal where the, the spirit world can enter into our reality is through women. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. very powerful, yeah. exceptional beings. Yeah, yeah. So. so were there any of your own experiences tied into those visions and those feelings that you had during ceremony? Not really. Like I said, when what was happening in the vision was I could see like an Earth-like planet, the horizon of it being backlit by this demonic sort of red and on it I could see these tiny sort of symbolic silhouette scenarios and some of them were women treating women badly and and so I can't like I never had a moment where I was like oh hey there's me on there you know what I mean <laughs> like it was or, <laughs> who's that handsome guy standing yeah there? yeah who's that <laughs> handsome guy women. not returning phone calls <laughs> It wasn't like that at all. It was just seeing just tons of scenarios that could potentially happen Mm -hmm. from the dawn of time till now. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really see anything that pertained Mm -hmm. specifically to my life. So this was just like a visual aid to the feelings and emotions you were being exposed to. Totally. Okay. It was like, you know, when you look at a painting you see it all at once. and It's beautiful or I hate it or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Or And it was like a combination of a painting and literature. Like it was giving me this sort of thesis on female suffering as well as a visual. The thing is, these are happening when your eyes are closed. There's Mm -hmm. no looking away. Yeah. But you're just in it. Wow. That's, that is an interesting thing you just said there. There is no looking away. No, And I've had my own experiences in ceremony, sitting in medicine with a shaman. And you're right. Like it's, it's beautiful. And, And my own experiences. I saw things that were painful. I felt things that were painful. Yeah. But it would the pain was being shown to me in a way that was compassionate and in a way that was productive. Yeah. Like there yep. was an intention. There wasn't just like, you're gonna suffer. It no. was like this is what's happening. Exactly. Know? Like same with me when I was begging for it to stop. Yeah. There was this female voice that was like, No, just but she wasn't like, You're gonna witness suffer. It. Yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah. uh that I think it's Western culture. A lot of times when you think of a higher power or a God, mm-hmm. there's this kind of fire and brimstone. E- yeah. Like it's teaching you an evil, like it's teaching you a lesson. Mm-hmm. Like it was more of a tough love punitive. lesson. Like a yeah, punitive yeah, lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not like that. It's just, mm-hmm. no, we're here with you. You're safe, but. <laughs> but this is what's real. Yeah, this is what's real. So yeah, yeah. take what you want with it. And it, it worked. I yeah. haven't used the word I've. Like whenever I hear somebody call a woman crazy, I'm like, hey, let's just take back. a step back here. Yeah, for a you know, look at the big picture. Yeah, and, a yeah. crazy woman puts her kids in the oven. They don't yeah. just because they yell. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> just because they yell at you a little bit or emotional, yeah, yeah. that's not crazy. That's part of their essence, and it's a great part. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I don't, I don't use the word slut like mm-hmm. obviously other than a context like in this, this context. Yeah, but yeah, I pick it up. I don't watch porn. I have nothing against it if you want to watch it, but. Yeah. For the longest time, I I did. Like, I watched porn for, oh. and, and not what I would call a problematic way. It was like, without getting too graphic, it had its purpose. And when its <laughs> purpose was fulfilled, I would get on with my day. But when I stopped doing that, my life changed and my relationship changed. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Like how. Yeah. It's way better. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you went into this ceremony, now, did you work with a shaman or was this something that you bought on the street and just went and tripped in the bush for a while? Or? No, the first time was just here in Saskatchewan. We had the recorded Icaros, the songs that shaman use. And then after I did that probably two, three times, I was so intrigued. I went down to Peru for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So you like by yourself or did you work with someone like when you were here and, and we don't yeah. need to, I know. Yeah, yeah. Was it with someone? Was it with someone who's experienced? Yeah, it was with somebody experienced within my family that kind of okay. knew I was struggling and was like, oh man, it helped my cousin quit drinking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, you got to try this. And then, so I did. And yeah, a 12 year Coke addiction was broken on the spot. Mm. So I want to talk more about that. But before we do, like this addiction at 12 years is a long time. So how did the addiction get started? Was it something that you were running from? No, we always talk about addiction stemming from trauma. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's true, but it's also every little kid has had trauma in some form or another. Mm -hmm. I think there's trauma and unbearable trauma. I'm sure from evolution, like we've been around for 300,000 years. We've all seen floods and hurricanes and the elements. And we've all probably in our lineage, we've all seen saber tooth tigers run off with their mom and whatever. (laughs) I think we're the most beautiful content. (laughs) I just, I think we're hardwired to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. But when you get into serious trauma, then maybe there's a problem. But no, my parents are great. I had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. The most traumatic thing that happened to me was like playing baseball and a, a grounder skipped out of a gopher hole and hit me in the mouth. <laughs> so I didn't really have trauma per se, but I didn't develop a coke problem till I was in my, I can't remember, mid thirties or early Mm thirties. It's just, I was an artist and that's, I wouldn't say supposed to do drugs, but when you hear. Lots do. Yeah. When you hear of an artist doing, having an addiction. It's almost weirder if they don't. Exactly. And and that's just my own lens on the world. I don't know if that would be like something the newspaper would publish. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so it was just. It was just more exploring and being willing to liking different headspaces for me. And mm-hmm. then it just got away from me. Yeah. So there was no desire growing up. Like, for example, and I won't get too much into my own story, but for me, I couldn't wait to get my hands on a bottle when I was 13 years old and I blacked out. It was like, I yeah. mean, it was off to the races then. So was there any substance use before that? Oh yeah, I've been, I started doing psychedelics when I was 15 and drinking, but like a normal amount. I was a typical drink on the weekend kind of guy. I never had to have a belt of whiskey to get straight to go to work or in the morning or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think humans, we like to feel good and we like to feel, we, we, we like to feel okay. Yeah. Everybody wants to feel okay. For sure. And it was like. You remember when you were young and bulletproof, like a night of drinking was worth the hangover, but it didn't get, it didn't get out of hand until I was snorting an eight ball by myself, watching conspiracy videos, thinking, Hey, this is a problem. Yeah. You know what I <laughs> what, mean? the conspiracy or the Coke? <laughs> yeah, well, both. I think, I think they go hand in hand. I, I like, I don't know if it's correlation or causation, or maybe I'm making this up, but it seems like everybody I know that's been addicted to drugs is into conspiracies for at least a little while. I don't know if it comes with the paranoia or what, or you're focusing on that. So you don't have to face your own shit. Maybe. I don't know. That's a, that's a possibility. Yeah. I used to like space documentaries a lot more back in the day than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me something to blow my mind. That's not how bad my, how, my, how bad my life is. Yeah. But I think you can find a balance because we're all naturally curious. And I think even your most balanced person is going to enjoy a substance a bit that makes you feel euphoric. It's mm-hmm. it's not always running away from something necessarily, mm-hmm. and that can get out of hand too. I know that most addicts have had trauma, but I would like to see the numbers on people that had trauma that didn't become addicts. There's well, probably a lot of them too. Like you said only a few moments ago, we all have trauma. Yeah. 
It's relative, right? Like yeah. People escape into different things, right? Yeah. You can dive into your work. You can dive into different behaviors. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I, you hear people talking about modalities of recovering, like the anonymous mm -hmm. fellowships, like we're talking about psychedelics, we're talking about yeah. things. And, and some people like, for example, the 12 step groups, there's lots of people like, oh, that's a cult. Yeah. And, and I can't completely disagree. And, and I'm saying this through the lens of a person who yeah. was helped a lot by the 12-step programs. Yeah. I'm not talking shit. It's a little bit culty. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the same time, who cares? We all do things to be okay. Oh, I need a meeting every day to yeah. be okay. And people get judged for, oh, you, you oh, that's a new crutch. That's a new addiction. Meanwhile, they go to the gym every day and work out. They go do yeah. yoga every day and work out. Or they go and read a book every day. Yeah, and like all of these different things. No, I agree. Who cares? You're like, you could be... You're not selling your TV to go to a meeting. Yeah. You're not sucking a dick <laughs> yeah. to go to a meeting. So yeah. it might be a country. I've never heard of it. Maybe. It <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's not. But no, I'm I'm a firm believer that psychedelics is a viable option to quit. I've never been to NA or AA, but I think it's great. If it helps even one person, great. Mm -hmm. Who cares? I don't really like this one or the other thing or people shitting on it. Like, yeah. why can't there be both? Yeah. And why does it have to be this or that? Yeah. And when you want to talk about, oh God, now we're going to talk about systems of care. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I love doing that. Like this, this whole thing, this whole Hard Knocks Talks platform is, that's what this is. This is an, a knowledge mobilization yeah. platform and we work it into stories like this and conversations yeah. like this where the way our systems are treating us is not okay why is ayahuasca illegal no I, why is mushrooms why at worst case why is it not regulated i think it's okay i started doing mushrooms when i was 15 and the reason i think it's illegal is when I was doing mushrooms at a young age, I was like, oh, our system is bullshit. It's just <laughs> a made up thing. It's yeah. not necessarily it. It doesn't have to be this way. So it psychedelics dissolve the boundaries of what's real, if you would say. Mm -hmm. And so what government or, or group wants a bunch of citizens thinking oh I sh that's kind of bullshit i don't like it's not healthy for the continuity of a society we're, the we're... same goes with with i believe steroids get demonized like low level steroids are actually fairly safe and i think they're demonized because i don't think there is a system of government that wants a male population of jacked confident 22 year olds <laughs> We're talking conspiracies. All the people that are watching that are on Coke right now are like, yes, this is yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to send you. Yeah, don't I, do Coke. I, no, I have a friend's uncle that I told him I had some suspicions about 9-11 and he thought I was an idiot. And mm. now he thinks there's microchips in the vaccine. Like he went totally yeah, and I yeah. was like, oh, whoops. Bill Gates. Yeah. I, the microchips. Man, when that happened, I was like, all right, take her away, Bill. I didn't do a very good job with yeah. it. Maybe you can do better. <laughs> I never, it's, that's just, that's a silly one. Yeah. To think there's microchips in your vaccine. They, Where are they? We have microscopes. Show me one of these chips. Yeah. And they don't need any more help no. tracking us. Exactly. <laughs> We're good. Exactly. They're listening right now. I promise you that. Yeah, that's exactly it. I was like, dude, you have a phone in your pocket. They don't need. Yeah. But even the social control thing, I'm like, whenever I hear that the governments are, oh, they're imposing this, they're going to try and control us. They've been controlling us for 2000. What do they want? The 10% fringe that 90% of people don't commit crimes. 90% of people pay their taxes and the banks are making like insane amounts of money more every year. I would say the system's working fine for them. Mm. Why would they want to, impose more control they mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i think the government does some evil shit yeah but i don't think there's these big full-on plans you can't even get five people to come to a party but you let, <laughs> you're gonna get ten thousand to buy into this anyways we are like way off yeah, in the yeah. States right now <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's okay it's okay we'll bring no. it back we'll bring yeah. it when you went into your own this first journey that you had yep Tell us what brought you into that. Was it a really bad experience or? No, it just had enough. I wanted to, 
I tried to quit doing coke and drinking for the 150th time. I was gray. I was fat. My ex-girlfriend, Chelsea, she was like, yo, you're the only cokehead I know is getting fatter. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just living a life of complete excess in all aspects. And I had enough. So I, my blood pressure was through the roof and you're not supposed to do ayahuasca really because it elevates your blood pressure. But I was like, I don't care. I'll either live and change or I'll die in this moment. Whatever happens, I'm just sick of this shit mm-hmm. and let's, let's do Get this. At it. So I set the intention that I just wanted to quit drugs and <clears throat> these weird alien beings I encountered seems to have done that for me because I've done since I quit drugs, I bet you I've done Coke twice, nothing for five years. I can, when Connor McGregor released his whiskey, I wanted to taste it. So I did. Mm -hmm. And it didn't set me, even when I bought Coke, I just wanted to see if I still had a problem. And I (laughs) just take this stick of dynamite. Yeah. To see if it 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 blows up. But no, I did some bumps and I was like, nah, I'm done with it. I don't. And it never let let me back. Super important question. How's Connor McGregor's whiskey? It wasn't bad as far as, I don't even, is it whiskey or vodka? I don't even know. I think it's whiskey. I don't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm not a whiskey connoisseur, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, didn't, didn't taste like super gross. It was smooth. And yeah, but that was, I just wanted to taste it. Mm-hmm. I had the whole bottle right there. It was somebody else's yeah. and I didn't touch it again. Yeah. I never realized you really had a drinking problem, except that it made me want to do bumps. So then looking back with some insight. Mm-hmm. What actually changed? What you so they say we took your addiction away. Do you think it was just like, okay, here's the thing that's addicted and we're going to take it out of Roman? Or was it the perspective about women? What no, was it? It was, I don't know the science thoroughly, but what I've heard about ayahuasca, what it does is it opens new neural pathways in your brain that are open channels. Mm-hmm. So I had all these like open channels of, oh, this is a better life. And they stay open. So it's like wiping your hard drive clean. Like uh, the day after I was neutral about working out, went to the gym. Yep. Still like that. Put that back on the hard drive. Still like drawing. Put that back on the hard drive. Coke. Nah, I'm not going to. I'm just not going to put that on the back on the play. I left it to the side, but I don't exactly know what changed other than maybe there's these new neural pathways are so strong because another thing about addiction, they say that I didn't do, I didn't cut anybody out of my life. I was back at work watching people do blow the next day and I didn't even do coke again i wasn't like oh man i want it was like i had the memory but the neuropathway connection was just dissolved and i had this new ones where i didn't i remember my friend sitting there with a cd case full of lines talking to people i was like man give me that i was chopping lines for people and just like, <laughs> you're doing it wrong yeah he these guys all <laughs> want to do a bump and you're telling a story about yeah. who's better jordan or lebron yeah like yeah you're being rude <laughs> yeah 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 but no i could be around it so i'm not exactly sure what changed Mm -hmm. I just felt purified. I felt clean and I just didn't, I knew I didn't like it. It was almost like I was never an addict. I had the memory of it, but I woke up feeling like I wasn't an addict, but I also woke up feeling like I wasn't an artist or I I wasn't a gym rat. Like I had to redo those because I knew I had the memory of liking it. And then I was like, yeah, I still want to keep this. So yeah, it was like I... Reset. Yeah, it was like a reset. That's exactly what it was. Hmm. And just the drug thing I knew screwed me up. And I think that's why I wanted to do Coke again a couple years later to prove that it was these new neuropathways. I did a couple bumps and uh, I was with a buddy of mine. And just after a while, I was like, yeah, you keep the bag. I just don't want it. Mm -hmm. And then just never again. But yeah, I still... And I quit hanging out with people like that because after a while, it's just gross energy just being around. It's boring. The yeah. conversations suck. Like somebody that's super wired on blow is you just. Know, I saw a meme the other day and it said something to the effect of cocaine rehab centers should just be like, you have to go and sit with people <laughs> who are high on cocaine and not be high on cocaine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
everybody in the room thinks they're most the most interesting person in the world (laughs) and they talk and don't listen and yeah or else you get real introverted and weird and just hang out in the bathroom all the time which has been me too so i don't judge it but i just don't want to be around it for energy wise it just doesn't feel very good has there ever been any time in your life like since this experience and i want to talk about your Subsequent experiences with ayahuasca, yeah. you told me before the show, you've done it a number of times. Yeah, probably about 70. 70 times. That's probably around there. I'd yeah. Say. So has there ever been any point in any of your experiences where you've looked back and tried to analyze why were you addicted to coke for 12 years? What were you either running from or running towards that you thought coke could help you with? I, I don't know. It wasn't really that well thought out. It's just I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. to food, to whatever. So I don't really think, I again, like I said, I was just an artist. So I liked alternate realities, alternate consciousness. I didn't really have, I liked the aspect of the kind of rock and roll tattooist lifestyle. So that was appealing, but I can't really like, as much as I'm a, a look forward person, I'm very introspective, mm-hmm. but I was just happy I was quit. I had quit and I wasn't going back. So I don't really know why I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. When you ask me most questions you ask me, I, I have a definitive answer right off the bat mm-hmm. that I have. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure why it was just there and it just, just part done. of the lifestyle. This is just done now. Close yeah. It just, it's over. I just, yeah. and I know plenty of people have done psychedelics to quit drugs that didn't quit drugs. So I don't exactly know. It's not a magic pill. It just yeah. gives you the tools to to yeah. do it. But I think you still have to ultimately do the work. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't heal you, but it opens the door for you to heal yourself. Another experience I had was uh, I used to fight a bit when I was young. And like in the ring or you no, know, just in the street, just not tons, but in, enough, a stupid, like yeah. fighting's the stupidest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. Punching somebody feels so unnatural. And I always wanted to be a tough guy. And I was like, oh, I wonder why. And then one ayahuasca ceremony, I remember being little, probably in grade one. And this guy was picking on my little brother and I pretended I didn't see it because I was scared. Mm. And that shame, like I had forgotten that. I don't know if I tuned it out or if I just had forgot, but ayahuasca showed me that. Oh yeah, remember you're a little bitch and didn't help your brother. That's why you overcompensated and wanted to be a tough guy was because of the shame you felt not sticking up for him. And then, so that was interesting, but. Mm -hmm. So tell us about, so you went through this one ceremony, you had this really painful experience. Yeah. And then how long was it before you went into your second experience and why? I would say sometime the first one I think I did in April or May. The second one was probably in the summer. I wanted to see if there's more to learn. Plus there's a visual aspect that's really cool that helped me in my art. You can see Anybody that knows anything about psychedelics can tell that there's a big influence in my, uh, yeah. so a lot of the reasons I do it now, which is very minimal, I don't think I've done ayahuasca in three years. So there's a creative component to it. So the second time I wanted to see if there's more to learn or, cause one of the things, one of the things people say about psychedelics is if you had such a, if it's had such a profound experience why do you keep doing it but it's it's like a massage you don't go once and then never again you go Mm -hmm. every few months for a reset or a recalibration or what have you you know i i've talked to some people who are quite in the know both clinically and culturally yeah and it's like you go two or three times and who's to say you don't go more than that? Who am I to say? Yeah. From what I've understood, it's you don't just go once. And if you can go once and all of your healing or the doors are opened to healing for you through that By one experience, means, yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, from what I've heard, generally, you want to try it at least two or three times in a macro dose, go to the moon type thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm not a doctor. This is not clinical advice. No. You'll know. <laughs> I've done ayahuasca where the spirits 
have been like, yo, what are you doing here? You got nothing to learn. <laughs> you don't need to be here right now. They're sitting playing cards like, oh, you're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll give you something real brutal so you don't come back yeah. here for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've known when to back off. I was like, okay, I don't need this. And even right now, like the last time I did ayahuasca, I was going through a breakup and it just wasn't getting any better. So I did it and it did help with it. Mm -hmm. And, or the second last time, sorry. The last time I did it was to mend a relationship with somebody that I never really had a good one with, but I kind of had to, and it did help with that. So there are certain things, but I, I, I do think you can overdo it. We're such gluttonous fucking idiots in the oh, West, man. It's we true, overdo man. everything. It's true. Look around you right now. Do I, did I need all this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to look here. I, I don't know. I think I probably could have got away yeah. with a few less screens. But you know what, man? <laughs> this invokes the feeling of professionalism. You know what? If it does nothing else, I can't disagree. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Here, right? And I really want to punch out as much professionalism yeah. as I can because our message needs it. Yeah. And you know, you're doing it, man. So keep it up. Cause I, yeah, I walked in here and I was like, holy fuck, this guy's for real. <laughs> this guy is a little over the top. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, in our culture, we are, we're very excess oriented. And you, when we find something that works, we tend to overdo that. So I don't think people that are 17 should be doing psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I think you should let your brain form first. That might sound hypocritical because I started doing it at 15. Wow. But like. Lived experience, man. You, you didn't know what you didn't know no, back you, then. you didn't know. And yeah. me being an artist, it all helped with that. Mm -hmm. But if you run to psychedelics or any drug or any form of help even for every little thing, I just think you're denying yourself the chance to form some real resilience, which is facing the storm though in the last couple of years i've had a stroke i've had the most important person to me pass away and it was it was resilience that got me through those not necessarily psychedelics mm -hmm. i don't think you can separate the two at this point i've just been doing it for so long but there, there is a resilience and a positive attitude that comes from a realm outside of psychedelics. This is just as important to form, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep mentioning uh, you're an artist. When did you start drawing? Like, when did you see that as an outlet for yourself? Not until, well, I started drawing when I was probably one, like scribbling. I got pictures yeah. of me when I had to hold myself up on something to stand and I was already doodling and then I got into comics and I thought that was I was always more interested in what you couldn't see than what you could unpack that like in terms of the world like mm -hmm. I would I'd look at a building and I go yeah that'd be a lot cooler if there was a fucking gargoyle on that <laughs> or whatever and then comics and Anything involving the imagination, I was really drawn towards. So it wasn't, it's, it's not about recreating or representing the world. It's about reimagining it. Exactly. Okay. I don't, those guys that can look at a picture and redraw it, I think that's amazing. That's a, a huge skill, mm -hmm. but I didn't really. Recreate a sunset or. Yeah. Like whatever. why there's a sunset <laughs> for me. It was like, so there's definitely artistic value and talent that comes some, with that. Some dudes watching this right now and drawing a picture of a sunset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I wanted to see a sunset with a bunch of comets ripping through. Yeah, he's like, screw you, Roman. Yeah, I hate yeah. hard knocks talks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, for sure. But no, I like to create, you know, I like the imagination. I like the reimagined world mm -hmm. according to you type shit. But I was a rudderless for a lot of years until Jarrett Clarkson opened Rising Sun. I was friends with his girlfriend at the time. And then I saw what he was doing. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. Tattoos. Like when I first saw tattoos, I liked the concept, but I didn't see any that were that cool you know what i mean i was like oh hey eddie from iron maiden sorta but then i saw this dude named guy atchison did a tattoo i saw in a magazine and i was blown away at the level of artistic quality and ability so that's what drew me towards tattoo towards mm -hmm. tattooing how did your art and uh 
maybe this is an obvious question, but how did your art change after your first experience with ayahuasca? A lot more balance, a lot more eyes in the art. Eyes and eyes. And yeah, that. there's a definite component of when you're on ayahuasca or you smoke DMT, I don't know if because eyes are familiar to us that when these beings try and get down to communicate with you, they're so powerful. They show you symbols that you can make sense of. Yeah, make sense of. They don't want to melt your brain. No, Maybe they, they kind of do. do both. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, they just became a lot more colorful, a lot less like dark. Mm. Not only dark, I try and have a dark and light balance. Like, even when I draw a really horrific demonic monster, I always maybe have a little glimmer of hope in there somewhere. And sometimes I draw more positive. Sometimes I, but I've always been drawn towards like dark stuff. That's where the death metal comes from. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little kid, when I hear about like a serial killer or the Nazis or something, I was always fascinated by how humans could do that to other people, mm -hmm. but it didn't, I remember. So was uh, it a fascination or was it like a repulsion? I couldn't, I don't know. I think it was both. I think I was. Like it was so terrible you couldn't stop looking? Yeah. Or yeah. there was a genuine interest to understanding? Well, no, I was in grade one, so I don't think okay. he'd formulate. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing... I don't know if you remember, but in the 80s, this guy named James Huberty walked into a McDonald's in a suburb of uh, San Diego, this San Ysidro, California, and shot up the McDonald's, and he killed like close to 40 people. And I remember seeing a picture of one of the kids was outside, and he was walking up to the door on his bike. And he shot through the glass and killed him. And it was in a magazine, so it wasn't graphic, but you could see his feet in the picture beside his bike. And I would just stare at it for, I was like, how could a guy shoot little kids? That's terrible. Why am I still looking at this and thinking about it laying in bed? Mm. And I thought I was weird because I liked all this dark stuff. But then that's when I first heard heavy metal. And I was like, oh, wow people that aren't embarrassed to think like this and I was just drawn towards it and I never and I had a really anti-religious sort of mindset I I went to a Catholic school I loved the stories of Jesus and forgiveness and turning the other cheek but they were being taught to me by these evil mean people like that like not all of them, but I had some really religious, really brutal, shitty teachers. And I was always, what the fuck is going on? These stories are about forgiveness and turning the other cheek. Mm -hmm. And they're being presented by this fucking mean fat bitch that fucking I can't deal with. Mm -hmm. So when I discovered Slayer, which was the Slayer, they hold a dark mirror up to society and make you face all the war. And I, and I felt like I had a home, hmm. you know, I was like, oh, wow, these guys aren't ashamed to be into sick shit. And then, you know, it just got heavier and then it got into death metal and cannibal corpse and all these like, but it's fictitious. I don't, it, you know, if you paint an album cover with a gutted hooker on it. I'm like, cool. But if you had a real picture of a gutted hooker, I was like, ah, that's distasteful. Like mm -hmm. I, so there's a line of, I think to be a complete person, you have to embrace your dark side and embrace the light. I couldn't agree more. That's why like the yin yang symbol, the half, and that is a perfect symbol. It's half yeah. dark, half light with a little bit of each in the opposite chunk. Yeah. And I know there's exceptions, but. You ask most people that know a death metal fan in their family or whatever, they all say, in the, see, say the same thing. They're like, you're so mellow and so nice and yeah. you like this horrific shit. I like good shit too. Yeah. Maybe it's, an, and maybe that's an outlet. Maybe that's an outlet yeah. for your anger and for all of the, oh, for the sure twisted thoughts and all of the things that are irrational. Cause I like, I know for me, like I'm not a death metal fan. Yeah. I, I, I listened to Slayer and Pantera when I was 15 and angsty, but yeah, but for me, it's if I have an opportunity to have that sick shit that I'm thinking that's twisting me up and it doesn't make sense. And I say it 
it out loud and I hear how ridiculous it sounds when I put it out into the real world and my own ears hear it. Yeah. Like that's a big help for me. And that's why talk therapy so and peer support and all that is so important. It's very cathartic, you know, yeah. to get that. And when you have a society and culture, the metal culture is huge. You know what I mean? There's millions of us around the world. It gives you a kind of a sense of belonging. You're like, oh, it's okay to have twisted thoughts. Don't get me wrong. I've met some metalheads are annoying and shitty people just like any other walk of There's life. There's assholes in every genre. Exactly. <laughs> but true. uh But yeah, I've always, I always felt like I had a home. And so I started to draw really twisted shit and just kept up with it. And I still do it to this day. Hmm. You ever draw stuff and you're like, oh God, that's even too much for me? No. You went to Peru. Yeah. Twi okay, twice. So you're doing this stuff on your own with, would you call it like a trip sitter? No, because we all did it. Okay. We were all on it, but I felt comfortable. The people I did it was with, I'm going to leave their names out of it because I don't know what, but a nurse, some other responsible people that were adults that had, some had been to Peru before, some had not, but we all were I knew we'd be okay. We never really have had a crazy incident where mm -hmm. we got out of control. But I did feel like something was missing. I wanted to experience a real thing with the shaman. So tell us about that then. Tell us about your experience going down to Peru. How were you greeted? How was it different? They were cool. I, did you go into the jungle and, and yeah, meet yeah. with the, the shaman yeah. or, 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 yeah, or it was, a it's maestro? Yeah, it was through an organization called the Ayahuasca Foundation, which I highly recommend. Like they were so pro this Carlos Tanner guy. Mm -hmm. And the reason I liked him is he was a white guy from Boston, but he didn't open a center and then find a shaman. He built the center around the shaman and his whole family, the Shabibo people. They get most of the money they get. It's all about them. So it had that good balance of this just isn't some guy trying to cash in on. But I was greeted really well. Like they didn't talk English, but it was a really good experience because there is this young boy, probably about seven or eight and I noticed the first couple of days he was hanging around me, but he didn't want to make contact, but he's intrigued by the tattoos or something. And so eventually I look at him and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I give him a little punch in the shoulder and then oh, he started laughing, punched me back. His dad started laughing. People are people. Yeah. And it was like, and then it was just cool from then. It was cool from the beginning, but that really solidified somebody's good to be around when you can't speak the same language, but their energy is welcoming and great. Mm. And then, yeah, the shaman or, or something else. I used to live on Alexander Street right next to the Louvain, busy street, yep. biggest street in Regina, really. And, uh, Third day I'm in Peru. He was like, do you live near a busy street? And I was like, yeah. So who's this guy? So you said he didn't speak English. Is yeah. Through translator? a translator. Oh. Sorry. We no, had no, translator. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, this guy was like, Enrique wants to know if you live near a busy street. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's oh, okay. And I was like, how, how did he know that? And he's, I have visions, but they're not always true. So I like to ask, that's what I liked about him. I think a lot of it is because of the language barrier, but I never for a second felt like this guy was trying to sell me on anything. And yeah, I had one journey too, where it was really dark and brutal and I was suffering bad, like just as bad as the- This the, was in Peru? Yeah, in Peru. Just as bad as a female one. And it, I was seeing all the terror and hate and anger of through the Middle East. And I was sinking and getting worse and I felt like almost suicidal. And then- I heard our shaman's voice getting louder and louder as so I opened my eyes. I wasn't making any noise or commotion, but he came up and then he held my foot and he sang Zikros. And I'd say in about two to five minutes, got better and it calmed down. He went back to the center. He didn't do it to anybody else. And then after the ceremony, he just patted me on the head and through the translator, he was like rough one, eh? And like he knew I was going through 
this horrible experience and he because that's what shaman do is they freestyle and keep the balance away like when they're singing their crazy icaros they're not singing a song they have memorized without intention yeah they're kind of freestyling like oh yeah and the group's doing oh roman's starting to go down a bit so i'll bring it back up okay now he's good oh and lisa's doing so i asked the translator like could he see what i was going through and he was like no but I could just tell you were sinking and sinking and I was singing to bring you back and I couldn't bring you back up. So I came and just drew it out of you. Huh. And I was like, well, that's really weird because it's, I don't believe in, I want to see evidence. I'm an evidence-based person. Yeah. I believe in spirituality, but mm -hmm. I believe there's probably a scientific explanation. It's probably just it. some technology we don't understand. Exactly. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. But that really got to me. I was like, how the fuck did he know that I was suffering like that enough to, it's unbelievable. So there's, there's more going, I don't know what it is, but there's more going on just reality than we uh, realized. I saw space and time as the foundation that physics is based on. But I, now I was watching this professor, Donald Hoffman talk about they're, they think there's something beyond space time they don't know anything about yet that is more fundamentally real. And so, yeah, I, I think there's just more going on. I don't claim to know what it is. I don't mm -hmm. trust anyone that claims to know what it is, but <laughs> yeah. there, there's definitely more going on than what we can see. Like I've, a lot yeah. of the visions I've seen on ayahuasca, they're more real than this reality. You're not disorient your thoughts are crisp and clear and your focus of you're just looking at the stuff you can't comprehend you so know do you think now and you've mentioned beings and spirits a few times now do you think that this medicine is a gateway yeah so that these beings do you think these beings are real or do you think these beings are manifestations of your own mind trying to make sense of itself i think they can be both but the, like some of the knowledge they've some of the way they make you see the world in a way that you never, it's not even humanly possible. It's really hard to explain. You have to do ayahuasca to understand it. It's like trying to, it's like trying to explain the world to a blind person. Like all the, you stare at a mountain range or the Grand Canyon, the awe you feel. Could you imagine trying to explain that to somebody who's never been able to see? Mm -hmm. It's really hard, right? So it's really hard to explain the ayahuasca thing, but like some of the knowledge seems like it's coming. I could be wrong. If it's created by the brain, it's in a way where there's no starting point that you can see. I think it, it almost seems like it's teaching you the truth before you were blinded by capitalism and democracy like i don't know but mm -hmm. it's so it's really hard to but i i i do believe in an afterlife now of some kind mm -hmm. i don't believe in god necessarily like the christian god i, I there's probably a scientific explanation mm -hmm. to that too mm -hmm. but i do believe that yeah some of these beings are not have you ever seen the same being twice in two oh, yeah, different yep, journeys yep yeah. Hey, hey, Fred. Yeah, I actually, and it came with the sense of familiarity. Going for coffee with a friend? Yeah, like turning onto your street. You know, when you turn okay. onto your street, you yeah, have that sense yeah, of, yeah. oh, yeah, I was like. Home. So before I saw the being, I knew I was going to meet him. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked this one being, like where are you from? And there he's, oh, I couldn't explain it. It's we're multidimensional. We don't travel across space and time. Like I can enter the earth's coordinates and have this kind of energetic 3d printer. So he's like, when you see, when you guys see UFOs, they didn't come from a distant place. They came from, a different dimension materialized in this dimension and then went about their business. And I was like, wow. And mm -hmm. on DMT once I asked them if this was a simulation and they're like, yeah, it's a history simulation. Earth died about 4 million years ago and we ran a history simulation to see what happened on the planet. So what we are is just a history simulation. And I was like, how is that helpful? Yeah, I know. I was like, that's weird. 
interesting. Um, this just popped up. Our friend and uh, longtime watcher Twinkle, Twinkle asks, no disrespect, how can you know some aren't demons or not necessarily for your good? Well, it there, opens a door. There, you... there are some. Okay. I've seen a bunch of demons on journeys. Mm-hmm. Like evil, harsh beings. And one I defeated, my shaman Peru taught me this again through a translator. He's like, Roman, when you encounter demons on your journey, you're always so ready to fight. You pull out your spiritual sword and try beating them with love. And I did on this one. I remember like creating these glowing orbs in my stomach, pulling them out of this like kind of glowy peach juice shit and i handed to him and this demon ended up just turning into an angel or a pleasant being another thing our shaman taught us it was to say if you're not medicine fuck off and the demons will fight it's like they have to almost some kind of weird oath or something i don't know but yeah you experience lots of demons trying to trick you on mm-hmm. ayahuasca you experience lots of good too but yeah that's why when people say oh ayahuasca is a crutch or a escape. It's, no, it's not. You're going to feel the most fear as well as the pure love. You're going to experience some really horrific shit all in the name of learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I had my stroke and I was laying there, I thought I was dying. I was puking. I went blind. I was like, oh, this is it. And I was totally comfortable. And I don't mean to say that to sound tough or cool, but I was ready to go. Was there, and this, maybe this is a dark question, but were, was there any relief? Like when you thought oh, you were going to go, yeah. were you like, oh, thank God it's over? Yeah. yeah. Besides Jude, I was like, oh, that sucks. I'm not going to be here for Jude as much. Yeah. It was like a relief. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I, and I wrestle with that now is there's. Is there guilt? Not guilt, but when I have my dark moments, I'm like, fuck, I was almost out of this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. At times, but no, my love for anybody who doesn't know, I'm a father figure to an ex-girlfriend's little boy. He lives with his grandma, who's doing a great job in raising him. But I just, they used to live in Regina, and I saw him pretty much every day. But after my stroke, they're living in a small town near Capel, but... So I don't see him as much, but I'm still a big. So when I was, he was at my house, he was laying there. He was watching me. He's the one I called 911. Whoa. We handle it like a champ. That's heavy. Yeah. But I could hear the Mario coins banging and stuff. Like he was still playing. Like I played it because I was, I was like, Hey, if you, I knew I was having a stroke and I was like, Hey Jude, if I quit answering, you're going to have to phone 911. And and then I hit the floor, sort of puking, went blind, and he knew to call nine. How old was he at the time? Seven. Holy! But the funny thing is, when I was laying there and I thought I was dying, I could still hear the Mario coins big, and he was still playing in the living room because uh-huh. I remained calm, so he didn't think. Well, I don't know. I'll ask him when he's an adult. But as far as I understand it, it wasn't a huge deal mm-hmm. to him. But yeah, there was a sense of relief and I'm a pretty laid back, even keeled guy. And when I was laying there, I thought I was dying. I was like, oh, wow, this is relaxed. I thought I was mellow before, but this is real, not give a shit. Here it is. Even though you were hearing the coins and yeah, you yeah. knew oh, Jude it was sounded there. way far away. And it was just like, okay, I'm beyond being able to. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Help him or I don't. The other thing that it's hard to fully decipher because a stroke is a brain injury. Yeah. I don't know if this euphoric feeling was just chemicals to calm me down, being pumped to my brain in a moment of potential death, or if it, I don't know exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't see any angels. I didn't see any spiritual beings. I wasn't even really, wasn't really thinking of anything other than I'm in good hands or whatever these hands are. This is it. I'm out of here. And it was bigger than me. Yeah. And totally peaceful feeling and surrender was good. I wasn't fighting it, but would it be the same if I was having a heart attack? I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say? Because I've, I have a friend who's a nurse and she said, when people are dying, she's like in the moment before the moments before death, it always goes peaceful before they die. They never go like this fucking suck and then done. There's always like this out. I don't want to. 
and then go. Hmm. So I don't know if there's something to it, but because uh, I definitely had some death trips on ayahuasca and where I went through my death and it was horrifying. And so I think maybe it prepared me for it. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to go through that experience and like any experience, it's really hard to judge it in real time or make sense of it in real time as you're dying. Yeah. You know, I was puking yeah. and I went blind. That was the trippiest. I was like, well, there goes my sight. So I thought that was the final yeah. here. It's coming. Huh. And then I woke up in the hospital and I was like, were you like pissed off when you woke up? No, I was out of it for two days. I couldn't make sense of anything. It's like you wake up in a complete stupor. Your brain is, I could, I, I don't think I could even see for probably the first day and a half, but it didn't even dawn on me to tell anyone. Mm. A nurse would be talking to me and my, my dad would be talking to me and I was totally blind, but I never told them that I couldn't see. I was just like, oh yeah, cool. Cause I was in a wheelchair. So it's not like I had to walk or do anything visual. Just complete acceptance of what is no need to communicate your situation. No, it didn't even feel, I don't know. I don't know. Like it was yeah. too blurry, but it was really weird to not even say, Hey, I can't quite see yet. Is that normal? Mm-hmm. I didn't. They're like, we're going to take you for a shower. I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I didn't know I like what showers. was, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So you mean you've experienced DM several times yep. now from what i think i know yep. dmt is a drug that's released in your body when you're dying naturally i've heard that yeah dmt is the active ingredient in ayahuasca okay too. but yeah i've heard your brain releases dmt when you're dying but i don't know i so don't know was there any no no you were like hey this is familiar no no not at all yeah i was blind so i couldn't see there was no the real thing I was going through I had no similarities mm-hmm. to ayahuasca or DMT death trip that I've been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I can think of maybe is the ayahuasca or DMT made dying seem a million times worse. So when it does happen, it's easy compared well, to that. That's the hope I would suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had ayahuasca experiences where they give you extreme anxiety. So whenever you feel anxiety coming on in the real world, there's nothing compared. I felt it's okay. We're going to give you the most you can handle. Mm -hmm. So just so you know how good you have it. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you (laughs) a manageable benchmark for what you're really going through. Yeah. Like, oh, it could be way worse. If you were to get punched a couple times away mike tyson yeah. some little 14 year old giving you a shot in the ribs you're like, oh, i can deal with this yeah, yeah it's like the same thing it give you this spiritual beating to a level that anything you go through in your everyday life is very manageable in yeah. comparison so we've talked about a few of your experiences if you haven't talked about it yet i'm interested to know what is the biggest what is the biggest piece of wisdom or the most growth that you've experienced as a result of an ayahuasca journey? Tolerance of other ways of life, not in, I've always been tolerant of other cultures of whatever. I don't have a race. I didn't even have a race as grandparents, mm-hmm. which is in Saskatchewan. Is almost unheard of. <laughs> that is a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been t- tolerant, but what it taught me is the people that I dislike the most have just as much value as they are, as I do, or anybody else. Like value in your life? No, just as a person. Okay. Or there's a reason they're... In your life. I Well, not even the people. I'm not like Donald Trump. I'm not into politics. But when people are like, fuck, Donald Trump's the biggest piece of shit. I'm like, he had a horrible father and millions of dollars. That's going to corrupt and create, like, Mm -hmm. you give me, like, my dad was great. We didn't all see eye to eye, but he was a good dad. You give me an abusive, physically abusive dad who's rich and gives you all the money to, that's going to create a lot of monsters. So even Mm -hmm. the people I don't like, I don't like the way... I don't like the way our culture now tries to reduce people to the most non-charitable view and define them as only that. People 
whether it's Joe Rogan or whoever, all he said this on his, he's talked for 4,000 hours. He's going to say some dumb shit (laughs) or whoever, like RFK, he's an anti-vaxxer while he's also done a ton of great environmental work for 30 years is not important too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I think there's great value in vaccines. But when you, when somebody says something about vaccines and then you only hold them to the fact they're an, they say there's one thing you don't like and you dismiss everything else. I don't like that. And I think one of the biggest things ayahuasca has shown me is that even the most, even people with really bad views on something, they shouldn't be judged for, don't reduce somebody to just the thing you don't like, because mm. there's way more to them than that. And I, that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest things I've taken away is I see somebody I don't agree with and actually flat out despise their way of looking at the world. I see just, I have just as much, and loves the word, but acceptance of them as for somebody that I think they say everything that I find very inspiring. That's really, that's profound. Stop reducing people to just the parts you don't like about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We tend to reduce people to the most non-charitable view they've ever said. The worst version of them. Of them they've ever said and then hold them to that. They're only that. And I don't agree with that. People have a love for their kids and they probably make other people laugh. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's like that Dave Chappelle joke about Bill Cosby and all the horrible things he's done, but he's also put thousands and thousands of black kids through college Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And he made an entire generation laugh for sure. And what he did for the black call, like on TV, having a black family that are professional and that probably helped a lot of people. Like, don't get me wrong. I think what he did is deplorable and I'm not, but he's, it's really hard to, I don't know. One, Mm -hmm. one, One thing that I saw that really profound experience once was some black woman in a courtroom forgiving her son's murderer and hugging him in the courtroom before he, I was like, wow, we need more of that in the world. Most people hate their neighbor because they ran over their fucking shitty sprinkler or whatever and, yeah. and don't want And now that's all that person is, is totally. the person that ran over my sprinkler when he, they were late for work and in yeah. a hurry or just had a fight with their partner. Exactly. Or, yeah. And here's this woman who some guy shot her son in a home invasion and she's forgiving him and hugging him and crying. Like, I'm sure she's, but that I was like, wow, we need more people like that. We're so ego driven and we don't turn the other cheek. I, I just find that really gross. Mm-hmm. I find that's one of the things in society that, that I struggle with is I hate seeing people being mean to each other and not not seeing the truth not seeing the truth or trying to understand proverb that i'm trying to conjure in my head i know i've heard it somewhere before and it was like on the other side of right and wrong is the truth yeah yeah and i don't think i i I try and focus more on human nature than right and wrong or like it's human nature to do something like let's say group a forms an organization. Of course, group B is going to form one Mm -hmm. and one might be racist and one might be, but they're like, that's wrong. No, it's human nature to form. No matter what you believe. There's going to be an opposing opinion. Yeah. An opposing opinion, an opposing group that mobilizes to counter. So I don't, don't understand that. Like when I see some marginalized group, let's say Know, let's say a bunch of black people get together and form a community group. It doesn't surprise me when a bunch of redneck racists do the same thing. Do I agree with them? No. But mm-hmm. do I understand why they did it? Yeah, human nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that human beings, if we look at as any act would deplorable or good as human nature, as opposed to right or wrong, which is fictitious, there's no objective right or wrong. Yeah, you can well, justify. I mean, maybe there is some ultimate somewhere, but I'm watching this show on Disney Plus now, Loki. 
yeah. and, and it's talking about timelines and all these things. And I'm really enjoying it. I don't usually buy into series or movie. Like I could struggle to watch a movie, yeah. but it's, it's talking about timelines and variants and all of these different things. And it's talking about right and wrong. And it, it also talks about what do you know how necessary this wrong that you perceive is wrong? How do you know that wasn't a necessary thing to keep the timeline going the way it's meant to go? And that, and, I, and again, I'm not justifying any of the atrocities that have happened no. in human history, but it leads me to think what would have happened had those things not happened? Yeah. It's hard to know. Like maybe what Hitler did as brutal as it was, is going to cause some Jewish kid in 2062 to invent something that saves humanity mm -hmm. or the opposite thing. Maybe the killing of Hitler is going to lead to something that somehow. Yeah. So like, like, we don't know. Yeah. It's, we it's... have such a short lifespan to analyze like everything. Yeah. We have this weird need to make sense of shit. Yeah. Which is probably instinctually good. Yeah. We but, need to know if something's on its way to kill us. You know, yeah, we yeah. need to know that we need to find food. Yeah. yeah. Know, and these things just get turned into. But yeah. What if the thing that kills us allows other humans to thrive? Yeah. Like yeah. I've often, I often think of that as what if aliens came down and said, okay, we have a list of a million people that have to die in order for humanity to thrive. Yeah. So, ugh, fuck. Okay. You All know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure my kid's cool. Yeah. Because he ain't going. I don't care what you say. I'd rather everybody die but him. Yeah. So I'm not having that. But I would have a I would have a hard time being upset mm -hmm. if I had to go for the betterment of all humanity. Mm -hmm. Just maybe make a statue out of me or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> stuff me. Take yeah, me to the yeah, taxidermist. Yeah, stuff me. yeah. Where can people find your music? Where can people follow you? Where can people see your art? Roman Corkery at Instagram music. I haven't done lately since my stroke. I don't know if I'll, I will. That chapter might be done just your I, band. I don't know what time the name of your band. I was in a few, the biggest one that we built a following was called digital doomsday. And that was with members of like into eternity and for any death metal fans out there, like, flow from cryptopsy that he's such a flow has had such a big impact on the scene you don't even need to say his last name people know who you're talking about and i made friends with him and he wanted to get on this project so we released a couple albums like 10 10 years ago mm. and we haven't and then i was in a band a local band called seeping beauty which was just death metal and we kind of packed it in when covid started and but so i'm focusing more on my art but yeah roman corkery r-o-m-a-n-c-o-r-k-e-r-y at instagram mm. has all my adult art and, mm. i've also got your link to your facebook yep. in, in the description i can throw the one for instagram in there too That's cool no problem appreciate it man thanks so much for Thank joining you me for today having me, i think I, I really enjoyed that conversation yeah me too and uh, yeah maybe we'll have you back again sometime that i would be honored that would be wonderful all right cool okay later dude so if you got anything out of this episode today, please hit that like button at the bottom of the screen. Let the algorithm know that you liked what you saw. If you're not yet subscribed to us on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications. We go live every Friday morning, every Sunday evening. We got stories of lived experience with substance use like we heard today. We also talk about drug policy and research and all kinds of things. Everything substance use. If you don't have time to sit and watch us for an hour, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all I got for you. You today thanks so much for joining me take care everyone say this is hard knocks talks <laughs>